1: Live from our nation's capital.
0: This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think
2: it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding.
1: Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the
2: insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA.
3: The Senate map in 2020
4: looks a lot different than it looked in 2018.
2: You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done.
1: This is Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore.
2: Happy hump day. Busy, busy day. Fed Chair Jay Powell says policy is appropriate with no bias to hike or cut all of the fallout from the Fed Chairman's Federal Open Market committee statement as well as what exactly it means for the economy and how trade policy is impacting the economy. We're going to hear directly from two senators who are caught in the mix of things, and they are Republicans, and they're not afraid to differ with the Trump administration on policy. That's, of course, I'm talking about Senator Tim Scott, a Republican from South Carolina, and Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa. I was able to Tim Scott's from South Carolina, I apologize, and Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa. I was able to ask them about trade policy, about the central bank, and they disagree with uh, where the president's position is on a host of different issues. We're going to play for you that interview, plus much more on all of the fallout surrounding the political drama, high drama in the Senate today. I was in the Russell Senate building and the Russell Rotunda where we do uh, our television live shots as well as all the other networks. And let me tell you, it was a complete media storm as the national global media even descended upon the Senate today to hear from Attorney General William Barr, and he was grilled by Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee for his handling of Robert Mueller's Russia report. Uh, He was accused of many things, including intentionally misleading Congress and the public, the American people, about the special counsel's findings. He was accused, of course, by Democrats. Republicans disagreed. And in fact, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina, saying that it's time to turn the page, that the Mueller Report, 400 plus pages, redacted version, was settling the issue. It's time to move on. That's what the refrain was from Republican members. We're going to break all of this down because there were some key takeaways, some new information in terms of the politics, the policy. And we've got two great guests to guide us through both sides of the aisle for the hour. Sari Kim, a friend of the show. She's a Republican strategist. She's a former senior advisor in the Trump administration. She's also worked up on Capitol Hill as a staffer on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. And Richard Fowler, he's a nationally syndicated radio show host, a Fox News contributor. He's a Democrat, Democratic strategist. Uh, So we're grateful to have you both. Uh, Sari, I'll start with you. So one of the takeaways from this hearing is that Democrats were focusing on this four-page memo summary – don't tell the attorney general I'm calling it a summary. He doesn't want it to be called a summary – of the report that was issued that he sent to Congress and the and, and released publicly of his takeaways, top-line views, so to speak, of the Mueller report. And he says in this report that there was no obstruction of justice. And he also says that that there was no collusion and whatnot. And the handling of that, is, according to Democrats, is that he got out front. is that is that really the politics? and is that is that the stage was that the main sort of battle lines, political battle lines from this hearing?
4: It sounds a bit like the Democrats have sour grapes because they do have access to the 448-page Mueller report. And there's nothing that William Barr put in those four pages that contradict anything that is in the actual text of what Robert Mueller put together. And, you know, another takeaway from today's hearing that people really seem to focus on is this leaked March 25th letter that allegedly Robert Mueller wrote and he is allegedly saying that he disagrees with the Mueller report but it's his own report he's not saying that uh, trump colluded he's not saying that trump um you know criminally infringed he's not even saying that bill barr was inaccurate in any of his four pages he's just saying that the media seems to be reporting it wrong
5: um well, thanks for having me, Kevin. Of course. Uh, a couple pieces on that. I think there's a couple things that we we saw we learned today. Number one, we learned that the judiciary chairman did not read the Mueller report, <laughs> um, which is...
2: He read most of
5: it, he said. I think I probably read more of the Mueller report than the judiciary chairman because I read almost 400 pages of it. Um, and that's thing one, I think, and that, and that should be telling for the American people, that the person who sits over the oversight of the... Justice Department in the United States Senate, the chair of that committee, did not read the report. Um, one of the most important uh, investigations in American history in the past 50 years was not read by the chair of the Judiciary Committee, uh, number one. And number two, uh, in the Mueller letter that was leaked to the, the media, the word media wasn't even mentioned once. Um, the, the the letter was keenly about how Attorney General Barr wrote a summary, of or excuse me, his Clip notes or his summary of what the Mueller report was when the Mueller team in itself created an executive summary, which is what they wanted to be released to the public, which is what was so telling, right? So what, what, what Attorney General Barr actually did was he took the Mueller report, he created his own summary, and he used that summary to tell the American people what to think about the report, and that's what's indeed problematic. So
2: if you're driving home from work and there's this, there's this marathon hearing in the Judiciary Committee, to be honest, I don't think there was anything that came out of the hearing that dramatically changes Republicans or Democrats, and, and I'm I'm watching you both in studio, and both of you are acknowledging that that is that that you agree with that statement that there was no really bombshell from this hearing. To play it forward, it's unknown whether or not he's going to testify in the House tomorrow because there's been some back and forth about the uh, the the how the scheduling and and this whole back and forth of the of the layout of the hearing. But this this issue of the letter has emerged as the key thing, and so. He releases, Attorney General William Barr releases this letter, and he has said publicly on April 9th and April 10th that he does not know if Bob Mueller supported his conclusions on the Mueller report. So Attorney General William Barr releases a four-page summary of the Mueller report, and then on April 9th and April 10th says he is not sure whether or not Bob Mueller supports the conclusions in of of, of that he drew from the Mueller report. I want to play for you some of the comments he made on April 9th and April
5: 10th. Members of the special counsel's team are frustrated at some level with the limited information included in your March 24th letter uh, that it does not adequately or accurately necessarily portray the report's findings. Do you know what they're referencing with that? No, I don't.
1: Did Bob Mueller support your conclusion? I don't know whether Bob Muller supported my conclusions.
2: Okay, so that's questioning from Congressman Charlie Christ, a Democrat from California and Senator Chris Van Hollen, a Democrat uh, from Florida, a Democrat from Florida, and uh, Senator Chris Van Hollen, a Democrat from Maryland. Uh, okay, and then, you know, take a listen to what he said and testified today. The Attorney General testified today before the Senate Judiciary Committee, here he is.
1: I said. Bob what's with the letter you know why don't you just pick up the phone and call me if there's an issue and uh, he uh, said that they were concerned about the way the media was playing this.
2: Sari I mean he testified to Congress that he didn't know what Bob Mueller thought of the investigation but Bob Mueller as we learned today had sent him a letter with concerns about the investigation, and he just testified today that he's saying that he knew that Bob Mueller was concerned about the investigation.
4: So I disagree with some of your question. Bob Mueller never said that he had concerns about the investigation. I read the March 25th letter. Mm-hmm. It's four very short paragraphs. What he said was that, um, and specifically referred to a press release actually issued by the Department of Justice, and it seems like Robert Mueller is concerned about the media reporting. He never says in any of those sentences, in his essentially one-page letter, if you take away the header Sarah, and the signature. Sarah, like we're
2: parsing words.
4: No, I'm not parsing words words at all. Bob Mueller is a 40-year veteran of sure. Washington, D.C. He was the FBI director. He has and been that, a part of here. And
5: all of that speaks to the, this, this is what makes this so problematic is because Bob Mueller is a veteran. And the fact that Bob Mueller didn't pick up the phone and call his friend Bill Barr to talk about the problem and the fact that he put it in writing to talk about how problematic Bill Barr's four-page memo was, Based on the fact and given the fact that the Mueller team created an executive summary that they wanted to be released to the public, that gives their summary of their 448-page document is what makes this this hearing so problematic. You know, I got
2: to say, and we joke about it. We got uh, coming up. We'll, we'll talk more about this coming up on in the show. But but for now, I want to leave it there because there's policy that happened today, folks, from the central bank, and we have Senator Joni Ernst and Tim Scott interviews that I want to play on policy. But I will say, and we joked about this, Sarah. We did joke about this. The rollout from the administration. <laughs> of the William Barr report. I mean, it was a pretty smooth rollout, and I think that the testimony that came out today, there are, there are questions. There are questions that should be asked. Coming up, we talk policy. The central bank, Bank Fed chair, j Powell panel stays. Richard Fowler, the Democrat. Sari Kim, the Republican. And you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
1: You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore.
2: It never stops. Never, ever stops the news out of Washington. I'm telling you, it never stops. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I am joined by two all-stars and two friends of the program. We've got Sari Kim, a Republican strategist. She's also a former senior advisor in the Trump administration and worked up on Capitol Hill uh, several years ago on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. And we also have Richard Fowler, who's a nationally syndicated radio show host, Fox News contributor, and a Democrat strategist. Earlier we were talking about all of the drama, (laughs) the political theater, to be candid at times not good political theater, (laughs) like fake theater, (laughs) off-Broadway, of Attorney General William Barr testifying before the Senate Judiciary hearing. We'll talk more about that coming up. But there is so much important policy going on, and it's interesting when I, you know, especially when you're covering someone like Senator Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, a Republican from South Carolina, and he's so in line, in lockstep with this president on the investigation front, but then you dive deeper down into the policy and how he's disagreeing with things on the Trump trade policy, like tariffs, for example, and it becomes so much more nuanced, a much more nuanced political data point in this and in, in, in spectrum. And all of this matters because you have Republicans standing behind this president on the investigation cable news driven issues. And in a way it gives them more leverage on nominations. Uh, And it's why these nominations to the Fed board are so interesting, because some of the and on trade policy, because some of the Republicans who are are speaking out against them are the most vocal on the mainstream media, cable news driven, top line investigation, clickbait stories. Uh, People like Senator Lindsey Graham, who had the president's here as a megaphone. So I do want to talk about policy, and I do want to talk about uh, the Fed chair today who gave a press conference because Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell said U.S. inflation is possibly being dragged down by transitory forces, and there is no bias to either tighten or to ease monetary policy. You cannot cover the Fed chair today in, in a vacuum, and you have to acknowledge the debate that has been going on and the, the, the tweet storm that has been going on coming from the White House. President Trump has attacked the central bank, and we've covered that on this program about for the reasons why. I want to play for you a bite from Fed Chair Powell about what he said about the rate hike decision. Here's the Fed Chair.
5: We've just come through a two-day meeting, and we've done a deep dive on economic and financial conditions uh, at the, in the United States and around the world and thought about our policy, and we do think our policy stance is appropriate right now. We don't, we don't see a strong case for moving in either direction,
2: and I'm going to read from my colleagues, Bloomberg reporters Christopher Condon and Steve Matthews, who go on to report uh, that the committee repeated language from its previous meeting, saying it will quote, "will be patient as it determines what future adjustments to the target range for the federal funds rate may be appropriate." Sari, I mean, not much change today, uh, but when you, how do you now factor in? All of the surrounding firestorm of politics, mm-hmm. and something like the central bank, especially as they're grappling now with these with these decisions ahead of the ahead of the, the political firestorms.
4: I mean at this point everything's political yeah. <laughs> you can't really even the first yeah you can't even parse it through in one sense chairman powell is as political as possible because the president said on twitter that he didn't want rate kites to go up and it's not and um i think it's really it's really challenging um situation to be in when it's a political appointment and you're essentially running money
5: i think something some extent, uh she's so right on this one like you know the wait wait wait, wait, wait,
2: wait see see what I can do
5: um, because I think this this president I mean we what we want is uh we want an independent Federal Reserve, but I think what this president has done through his sticky Twitter fingers as I like to call them uh, is he has made this a very political thing he has sort of you know battered around and butcher and bullied around the fed chair, so, and I think beyond that, I think it would be remiss if to look at the look at the Federal Reserve without Also mentioning the fact that he's appointed two people to the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, Both will likely not, well, one has already removed his nomination, Herman Cain, and the second, Stephen Moore, will likely withdraw by next week. And coming up, we're going to hear
2: directly from two senators on Stephen Moore's nomination. So... (laughs) Uh, That's Senator Tim Scott, a Republican from South Carolina, and Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa. Uh, You can download the sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. We're talking policy with two Republican senators up next. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
1: You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore.
5: There are some comments that he's made in the past that he's apologized for. I'd love to hear his perspective on it one-on-one or at least in a committee format. So that would be helpful. Uh, at the same time, he would bring a fresh perspective to the Fed. Some folks who would be critical of that uh, perspective, but I think some scrutiny is not a bad idea. But I have not committed to support him or vote against him. I'm looking forward to having a chance to talk with him about the actual job itself.
2: That was Senator Tim Scott, a Republican from South Carolina, weighing in on Stephen Moore, who is the president's pick to be on the Fed board. And a lot has come out about Stephen Moore, particularly some unflattering comments that he has made in the past regarding women and, and other issues as well. So Republicans are really withdrawing some of their support, and we've seen this. And, in fact, one of those Republicans is Senator Joni Ernst. Uh, and uh, Senator Scott goes on in, in the interview that we that we did for Bloomberg Television earlier today to even specifically say that he's uncomfortable with some of the comments that Stephen Morris said. You can go to BloombergTV.com, to see the full interview that aired earlier today on Bloomberg Television, that I conducted with Senator Tim Scott, and in fact, in the Sound On Extra podcast, uh, we talk more about his economic plan with economic opportunity zones. But, but, but Senator Joni Ernst, she's a Republican from Iowa. Obviously, she's a woman, uh, and, and she. I'm just going to play. I mean, I'm not even going to tease it. Here's is precisely what Senator Ernst said about her reservations on. Stephen Moore to the Fed Board. Here she is. Senator, I do want to get your take before we start on Stephen Moore and the president's particular nomination or considering naming him to the Fed Board. Do you think he'd make a good pick?
3: I do not. Um, I would vote no against him should he come up for a vote. Um, I know there are a number of other colleagues that have spoken out as well. Uh, switching gears in terms of uh, trade
2: policy, Senator. Senate, uh, the Senate, Chuck Grassley, your co-senator from Iowa, uh, has uh, said that he does not want to have the tariffs on the USMCA. Uh, Do you agree with that, and do you have any concerns about where USMCA or NAFTA 2.0 stands right now?
3: I absolutely do agree with Senator Grassley. Those tariffs do need to go away. We want to move ahead with USMCA, I'm really excited about the opportunity to get it through the House, get it through the Senate, get it to the President for signature. So
2: steel and aluminum tariffs in particular, there's been a lot of criticism on those particular tariffs, not just from Republican colleagues like yourself as well as Senator Grassley, but also from the business community. What are you hearing from your constituents about the impact these tariffs are having?
3: My goodness, I just met with some beverage distributors today and of course as they're bottling all of those go into aluminum cans and this has had a huge effect on those that are distributing soft drinks and so forth across Iowa. They spoke to that and that's just one industry in Iowa. We hear from Ag manufacturers all the time, and then the end user of those products, our farmers, our ranchers, they feel the impacts of those tariffs has been very, very harmful to the Iowa economy. So, is,
2: if you're if you're outside of Washington and you're trying to figure out the timeline of when USMCA could get ratified. This significant pushback from Republicans to President Trump on the issue of tariffs, is that going to potentially derail the timeline, or when do you think it will get ultimately Well,
3: hard? I am hoping that we get it done this summer, and the this sooner, summer. the better. Um, now, that's just the Joni Ernst time frame. I want to see it done soon, and we really need to see those tariffs removed, and I have spoken directly to the president about this. So on
2: another trade front, China. Uh, and In fact, uh, U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, as well as Treasury Secretary, Stephen Mnuchin negotiating with the Chinese this week. What do you want to see done on
3: that? Well, I do want to see a complete agreement done. I want to see that we are able to actually enforce the trade deal with China. Of course, we really, as Iowans, want to see a lot of agricultural product moving into China, but we also want to see fair trade. We don't want forced technology transfers. We don't want um, intellectual property theft. All of that has to go away, and we want to be good trade partners with China. We want to see them uh, do the same for us. You know, it's, it,
2: I take it back to Iowa, and I take it back to, to Waterloo, uh, or, uh, because so much of what we talk about in the discourse on trade policy is about soybeans or certain commodities or and whatnot, but they're not just dealing with this type of economic uncertainty. You know, they're also dealing where they're, they're having conversations with their bankers now,
3: right. right? Right, they are. So, a number of my town halls in Iowa the past several weeks, many, many people have brought up the fact that now they are going to their lenders, they're talking to their banking institutions, and those banks are really feeling a bit of this crunch as well. With six years of ever-decreasing farm revenue, the banks are having a hard time justifying extending those loans and offering credit. So we have many, many young farmers that are taking off-farm employment, um, which is really hard when it is a family farm operation. So what needs to be done? We need to get the trade deals done.
2: Senator Joni Ernst... On my interview with her, a Republican from Iowa, on Bloomberg Television, you can head to Bloomberg TV uh, for the full interview on that front. Breaking news, headline crossing the Bloomberg Terminal now. House Judiciary Committee is notified that Attorney General William Barr will not testify tomorrow. Coming up, what that means for the politics. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
1: You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore.
0: What a day.
2: Attorney General William Barr testifying in the Senate and headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak, folks. House Judiciary Committee notified that Attorney General William Barr will not testify tomorrow. Did you follow this? Did you follow all of this drama? I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And the drama in the House of Representatives, Jerry Nadler, House Judiciary Committee Chairman, a Democrat from New York. He wanted to have counsel, the counsel of the committee, be able to question A.G. Barr. And <laughs> A.G. Barr said, not, no, not way, no how, not going to happen. Uh, lawmakers can question me, but not but not counsel. And he said he wasn't going to testify, and now he's notified them that he's not going to testify. I'm not sure that makes a difference, but we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about it with an all-star panel. Sari Kim is a Republican strategist and former senior advisor in the Trump administration. She's a former health care counsel on the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. And, Sari, you also have a new piece out in a magazine, correct?
4: Yes, Cabral File Magazine. I have this hobby as a food and travel writer, which is what I did when
2: I quit politics in 2015 before really I got quiet. sucked back yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. So you, you, yes. you freelance for Cat File, so you Files. You tra- what's the piece on?
4: Um, it is on the latest beauty products and innovations if you need to know for Mother's Day. I also, oh you know, I know. Well, I
2: think my mom is listening, so I do not want, I'll talk to you off air uh, yes. about some recommendations for Chicky Cirilli and Delco. Pennsylvania. Okay. And Richard Fowler is a national, nationally syndicated radio show host and Fox News contributor, a Democratic strategist. And, and we heard earlier in the program when we were talking policy, not just A.G. Barr, from <laughs> from interviews that I did today with Senator Tim Scott, a Republican from South Carolina, and Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa. I was watching you listen to the interview and you were nodding in agreement at some points.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot and a lot of Democrats agree with her, especially when it comes to the issue of China trade and getting this trade deal done. And I think the reason why uh, I agree with her is especially talking about our farmers uh, and I, especially it's hard hit in Iowa, parts of uh, Nebraska, and especially when it comes to our our, 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 our pork farmers and our, and our poultry farmers in particular, uh, because there's so much opportunity in the Chinese market right now because of the African swine flu that's sort of, destroyed the, the Chinese pig flock. Yeah. Uh, and so our farmers have an opportunity to be selling our pork in China, but because of the tariffs and be, and because of sort of Trump's reckless trade policy in China and the fact that we haven't resolved this issue, um, we're losing out on millions and millions and almost, I would say, billions of dollars that our farmers could be making um, because their, their, pig, their, their pork flock has been completely wiped out, or close to completely wiped out, 30 to 40 percent of it has been wiped out.
4: I mean, there's just so much to unparse in there, but I think I, <laughs> okay. I, I think that at the end of the day, you know, we have to realize that six out of twenty trade deals have already not been negotiated, and three of those were done under President Obama. And so, if we're going to go after presidents on what they do and do not do as it relates to implementing and negotiating and understanding what trade is coming to, we have to realize that as, at the end of the day, the global supply change has fundamentally. It's it's so different than when Lindsey Graham first came into office. I mean, part of the reason why Lindsey's so interested is because BMW and Boeing are based there.
2: Well, that's and- what I wanted to go with. That's such a that's such a smart point because and, and this is what we were talking about earlier in the program. And take us behind the scenes, Sari. You know, you're a former senior advisor in the Trump administration. Because what's interesting about this is that again, when you turn on cable news and when you turn on the mainstream reporting in terms of the the investigation coverage, you have folks in the Republican Party running towards microphones and really uh, echoing President Trump and in lockstep with President Trump. You mentioned uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman, Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina. You mentioned Boeing being such a heavy, heavy hitter in the state of South Carolina. And take me behind the scenes. To some extent, you had talked to explain to us how being so vocal hmm. on the news du jour, top line fodder, clickbait fodder, allows someone to have the access, the earshot, and the ability to hammer home on policy.
4: So it all comes down to loyalty and politics. And President Trump, because he's essentially new to Washington, D.C., he hasn't built the loyalty both ways with most of these United States senators and members of Congress. And so what Lindsay is doing, also what some of the other more savvy members of the United States Senate are doing, they're identifying the issues that President Trump keenly cares about, right? Let's say the Mueller investigation. Let's say, you know, um, whether or not he should be impeached. I mean, these are like two really hot button issues of the day. They go to the microphone, they defend him to the teeth. And then, you know, on some of the issues that President Trump doesn't maybe care as much about, they can differ on him to show that they have some individuality and they're protecting their state interest. But they have the cover and they're building loyalty. But here, Def- Wait,
2: let me, let, me, let me play this because this illustrates what we're talking about. Uh, because Senator Graham, the, Republican, the Senate Judiciary Committee chairman, as Sari says, Richard, defending President Trump to the T. On the investigation front, and and, and here's an illustration of it. At the hearing today with A.G. William Barr, he got into a heated, heated exchange with Senator Hirano, a Democrat from Hawaii. Take a listen.
3: You slandered this man.
1: Yeah. What Every I sort of want to know is how do we slandering. get how do we get to this point? Yeah, I do so,
0: not think so, that so I'm slandering to the point anyone.
3: Where the, no, all all mm-hmm. I can say, Mr. Chairman,
0: I, I am minutes. done. Thank you very and much. And
3: you slandered this man from top to bottom.
2: So there's the Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman uh, Lindsey Graham being going going to the to, with the teeth the political teeth, as Sari put it, Richard Fowler, Democratic strategist and a Fox News contributor. I mean it. It it's remarkable because I can't even play, the f bomb on our airwaves that he dropped, quoting the Mueller report, but he said it during a hearing. I mean, it it is remarkable.
5: It is remarkable, and I think what's more remarkable is as they as you know they go in to protect this president. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, in their states, in Jonesy Ernst states, in in in, in, in Lindsey Graham's state, their constituents are suffering. Their farmers no, are that's, suffering. That's
2: not the point I'm trying to make, and this is what I'm trying to say. Is that on the issues of investigations, when they're going aggressively with their rhetorical approach, at the same time, someone like a Senator Graham gets that access inside of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to push back on things like tariffs.
5: Yeah, but I I guess if Lindsey Graham and Jones are pushing back on tariffs, it doesn't seem to be working very much because they're not alleviating any other pressure. Well, right. Because the, the, there's no pork being pushed into China right now.
4: I mean, there's no I, planes I being sold to China.
5: There's no cars being sold to I'll China. Be, Those tariffs quite, still exist.
4: I'll be quite frank. I haven't read the Iowa Secretary of Commerce reports on economic forecasts. But at the end of the day. But I know you, know, you will tonight because you're I a I will tonight like because I'm a I'm homework girl. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, when you look at their constituents, they voted Joni in twice now. They yeah. voted Lindsay in four times. So I think they trust the judgment of their home state senator. And speaking of one very senior home state senator, which would be Senator Chuck Grassley, um, Senator Grassley does disagree with the president, as he did yeah. on the tariffs on um, some of the windmills and some of the conversation around other provisions in USMCA. But yet he's been there five, six terms.
2: And what's fascinating about Senator Grassley uh, is that he he went to the microphones this week on, on policy, and it doesn't get pickup because it's so it's a policy story, but he essentially said that he he is going to maybe block u s m c a and the Senate from advancing unless the steel and aluminum tariffs are not. A part of it, he's saying to President Trump, you think you have problems with the votes in the Democratic-controlled House? Well, take a look at the Republican-controlled Senate. If you want NAFTA 2.0 or USMCA, get rid of those tariffs. He's not
5: the only one. I mean, we did an interview um, on Fox Business with Pat Toomey, and he says he will also be voting against UMCA. These are Republicans who are lockstep with the president. When it comes to trade policy, they are not with the president whatsoever because the impact on their state is real.
4: Well, it's fine to have a debate. We're not asking for these senators to just roll over and acquiesce. If they want to have a conversation about it, they but certainly it's be- can. Beyond the
5: conversation, it's hurting real people we're gonna in have to leave. We're going to have
2: to leave it there. Richard Fowler, Democratic strategist, nationally syndicated radio show host, Fox News contributor, and Sari Kim, Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration. Pick up Capital File magazine. Read her piece on what to get mom for mother's day and remember head over to apple itunes and download the sound on extra podcast for a conversation with senator tim scott we ask about we talk about opportunity zones and what the 19 year old tim scott would tell himself also what he's watching on netflix you can find it on itunes on the sound on page and you can listen to the sound on show at bloomberg.com radio.com iHeartRadio and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Bloomberg
0: 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor q